0: Friends, our scripture reading this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 51, verses 1 through 6. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, but I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places." And will make her wilderness like Eden. Her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of song. Listen to me, my people. And give heed to me, my nation. For a teaching will go out for me. And my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out. And my arms will rule the peoples. The coastlands wait for me and for my arm they hope lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath for the heavens will vanish like smoke the earth will wear out like a garment and those who live on it will die like gnats but my salvation will be forever and my deliverance will never end this is the word of god for us the people of god thanks
1: In case we haven't met yet, like Stanley just said, I am the youth director here at Bluff Park. Um, My name is Reagan Sanders, um, and this is my first time preaching in our traditional service. Um, I preached, well, I preached in the gathering at the end of Discovery weekend, but I was half awake um, because I had been wrangling 47 middle and high schoolers for 48 hours at that point. Um, So really anything could have been in that sermon and I probably wouldn't have known by the end of it. But I think I did okay, um, to be honest. Um, and then I preached in the gathering again a few months ago and that went pretty well, except that I know that there's going to be something better about this sermon than the one that I did in the gathering a few weeks ago. Not weeks, months. Um, and that is that this morning I am not wearing dangly earrings. And This may not occur to you when I say that. It didn't occur to me when I put them on that day. Um, But this mic goes around my ear, if you can see it there. And the first time that I wore one of these mics in this service, um, our wonderful sound person said, I might take those earrings off if I were you. And I thought, oh, so they don't get tangled in the mic. Perfect. And then, later, I preached in the gathering. um, And it did not occur to me to take the earrings off And I thought, ah, I guess we're not worried about them getting tangled anymore. Um, And it turns out that we were never worried about my earrings getting tangled. Uh, What we were worried about is that when you wear dangly earrings, particularly solid little hoops, anytime you move your head or speak, they will tap against the mic. And that tapping against the mic will make a sound and All throughout the recording of that sermon, you hear a gentle tapping on the mic, and you can tell when I get more energized and when I start talking about something that I really care about and am passionate about, because tapping picks up speed and gets louder. Um, It was difficult to listen to, um, so I have decided to not do that to all of you this morning, and you're welcome. So anyway, like Stanley and I both said, I am the youth director here at Bluff Park, which means that my job is to lead games of dodgeball and to get pies thrown at my face. Um, That is kind of my job. That is really only a part of my job. Um, My job is actually to care for some of the most incredible people in our congregation and in our community. And that's our middle and high schoolers. Some of them are sitting right there. and to do my very best to point them to the God who loves them and who calls them. Um, but it really is actually a lot of fun. Um, Cause you know, when we do things that are fun for middle and high schoolers, like tie-dye nights and movie nights and obstacle courses and climbing nights, that means that I get to do them too. And I enjoy those things. Um, so for example, a couple of weeks ago, we had our big back to school kickoff. Um, During the school year, children and youth get together every Wednesday night, and we eat dinner, and we play games, and we have our worship services, Um, but we don't meet during the summer. So for our first Wednesday night back, we decided to do a water slide night. This was partially inspired by the fact that our last Wednesday night of last spring was also a water slide night, but it did happen to be the coldest night for weeks, and was approximately 60 degrees, and... Not many children were brave enough to get in the water. Um, so everyone kind of froze to death, but we survived. So this redemption water slide night a couple of weeks ago did turn out to be the coldest day in weeks again, and the coldest day we've had since then. Um, but luckily that just meant that it was like 83 degrees instead of 103. Um, so we rented a giant water slide and a big slip and slide, and. The fisherman class, I believe it was the fisherman class, sponsored our dinner so that we could have everyone who came, we could offer them a free dinner, and it was a really delightful time. We had so many kids and parents and families join us, and it was so great to see all the kids having fun and all the adults getting to just relax and talk to one another. And it was especially fun for me to see the way that my students connect with our younger kids. Um, if you helped out with VBS this year, which I hope you did, um, you know this already. Our youth are great with our elementary schoolers. They look out for them, they have so much fun with them, and they make them feel so very loved. Um, which was really helpful at this waterside night in particular because we had a little situation develop, maybe 30 minutes in, I would say, Um, this is a situation that many of you might be familiar with. Maybe in the recent past, maybe in the not-so-recent past. It's where there's something that you're very excited to do, and you can't wait, and you're ready, and it's going to be so fun, and then you get there, and it's time to do that thing, and you're terrified. Does everyone have some idea of what that feels like? Okay. Now work with me for a second and imagine that you're about... Yay, Hi. And imagine that you've climbed all the way up a very steep, slippery ladder, and you're sitting 30 feet in the air at the top of a very steep drop-off with a net over it, so you can't see anything except the steep drop-off. And there's a giant line of bigger, older kids waiting right behind you. And suddenly, you are not so sure that you want to go down this slide anymore. That is what happened to one of our littlest congregants, one of our preschoolers. Um, This precious, delightful, wonderful child was so excited and so ready to go down the slide. It was gonna be great. She was gonna have the best time ever. And then she got to the top, and it was not going to happen. Um, So we had a little traffic jam on a water slide because there is only one way up, And one way down. And the way up was jam packed with kids, and the way down was the thing that she was afraid of. And it was at this point that our youth jumped into action. Some of them passed the word to Reverend Stanley and I that there was a kid who was really afraid, who was stuck at the top of the water slide. Some of them sat with her and encouraged her. Some of them tried to make a way for her to come down, which was complicated because everything is slippery and you don't want them all to come crashing down the slide like a bunch of dominoes. Um, Some of them offered to slide down with her. um, And in a very real way, they were the hands and feet of Christ for her in a time that she was really scared. So things kind of came to a standstill on that slide for about 10 minutes, I would say. It It was a long time in kid years. And then out of nowhere, all of a sudden, From my perspective, I was on the ground. She came just zipping down. I barely had any time to notice what was happening. She flew by so fast. All I saw was the absolute biggest smile on her face as she shot past me. So as she hopped out of the pool at the end of the slide, I ran up to her because I knew her from VBS. I'd been in, her, in the room with her with preschool opening every morning. So we kind of knew each other and I was so excited for her. So I ran up to her and I said, um, you did it, look at you, I'm so proud of you. And she gave me a big double high five and the biggest smile and said, that was so much fun. And ran around immediately to jump back in the line. Um, At which point her mom came over and was like, let's do something else really quick so that everyone else can have a turn because they've been waiting a while. Um, So that happened and it was beautiful and it was wonderful. And then one week later, so about two weeks ago now, I happened to see the same little girl on our first normal Wednesday night back. So I went up to her and I said, hey, do you remember last week that giant water slide? That was so tall and so scary and you did it anyway. And do you know what she said to me? She looked at me like I was the silliest goose in the pond and said, that wasn't scary, that was fun. (laughs) Girl, for real? (laughs) I wasn't gonna argue with her, obviously. I wasn't gonna be like, I remember how scared you were. But still, I was completely amazed by the way that this memory had formed in her mind. To her, this wasn't a scary or overwhelming memory, even though she had 100 percent been petrified at the top of that slide. I think that one of the kids who came to tell me and Stanley ran up to me and was like, there's a girl, she's screaming at the top of the slide. And I was like, oh, is someone hurt? Is someone dying? No, she was just scared because she's four. Um, But to her, This memory is a good one because she made it, she did it, and she had a blast. So what she took away from that experience was joy and thrill and self-confidence. I did it. And I love that for her. I want her to have memories full of joy and confidence. I want her to know that she's capable of doing big things because she is. But I'm also, I know this is weird, a little bummed for her because she doesn't remember being scared. And because she doesn't remember being scared, that means that she doesn't remember how brave she was. She doesn't remember pushing past her fear. She doesn't get to have that memory, that feeling of that was so scary and I was so sure that I couldn't do it and then I did it anyway and it was so worth it. And memories like that are really important. We need them. Because sooner or later, there's gonna be another waterslide, metaphorically speaking. Sooner or later, there's gonna be another challenge, another sticky situation, another really rough patch where we can't go back the way we came and the way forward looks even worse. And what do we call on then? Who do we look to? In Isaiah 51, we find the prophet Isaiah writing to the people of Israel. are in captivity in Babylon, living in exile under the power of a foreign nation with no end and no hope in sight. And what does God say through Isaiah to the people of Israel? Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when i called him but i blessed him and made him many for the lord will comfort zion he will comfort all her waste places and will make her wilderness like eden her desert like the garden of the lord joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the voice of song god tells them to look back to remember to remember abraham and sarah who like the israelites in babylon lived in a foreign land with no hope of change except for what god had promised them this is really interesting and i didn't do this on purpose but we're actually talking about abraham and sarah and isaac in our youth worship service this week um so i happen to be pretty well refreshed on abraham and sarah um abraham and sarah abraham had been told by god to go to the land of Canaan. And God said, I'm going to give you this land. um, And not only am I going to give you this land, I'm going to give this land to your people because I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And Abraham said, okay, but I'm old and my wife is old and I don't really see a nation happening from that. Um, And then God comes to him again and says, I'm giving you this land and I'm going to make a great nation of you and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. And your descendants will, I'm paraphrasing here, outnumber the stars. And Abraham says once again, great, amazing. But he's also thinking, again, I'm very old and I don't have a single child. And it's a long messy process, but God is faithful. Abraham and Sarah do have a child. They have Isaac, which means he laughs because Sarah laughed when they said, you're going to have a baby. Um, But they held on for so many years. And I was sitting there studying these passages this week, getting ready for our sermon on Wednesday. And I was thinking, trying to think realistically about what it would have been like to be Abraham and Sarah sitting and waiting. And you've heard the word of God speaking to you. So you really want to believe that. But you're also a real person who lives in the real world. And you're an elderly person who does not have children. And it's really hard to believe that God would be faithful when it seems like God is making promises that don't make sense. But God was faithful. They had Isaac. From Isaac, we had the 12 tribes of Israel, like eventually, not immediately. Um, And that's where we all come from. We have been welcomed into the family of Abraham through Jesus Christ. But we didn't, they didn't know that yet. The Israelites didn't know all that yet. But what they did know was that Abraham and Sarah waited and waited. And God told them over and over again, you're going to have a child. You're not just going to have one child. You will have nations will come from you and the world will be blessed through you. And it seemed really ridiculous. And it didn't seem realistic, because God doesn't always seem realistic. And then it happened. And now, hundreds of years later, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the Israelites who are in captivity, living under a foreign nation. And the idea that they would be able to get out, or the idea that things could ever be better, seems ridiculous. It's not realistic. And God says, remember. I've done it before. Later in the passage, Isaiah calls the Israelites to look back again, this time to Moses and the Israelites fleeing Egypt during the Exodus. Isaiah says of the Lord, was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to cross over? So the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with rejoicing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. When the people of Israel are living in a time and place of desolation, in a wilderness of hopelessness and despair, what do they have to cling to? but the never ending and unfailing faithfulness of God. They can't see a way out. They don't have a plan. They don't see things getting better. They see what's right in front of them and what's right in front of them does not look good. But God says, do you remember all of the times that what's right in front of you has looked really bad and I have still made a way? They can't see a way forward until they turn their gaze back, until they remember the many, many times throughout their lives and their ancestors' lives that they have seen no way forward and then they have watched the Lord make a way. As Psalm 77:19 says, Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. Every time the Israelites are faced with yet another seemingly hopeless circumstance, they are called to look back to remember that each and every time they have faced overwhelming odds. God has been present and God has been faithful. It's the same way with us. And it's so, so easy to forget Because when I'm faced with a situation that overwhelms me, or a tragedy that wrecks me, or a heartbreak that knocks me off my feet, I am not predisposed to remember God's presence right at the top of my head. I barely have the space in my mind for it. I'm consumed by what's happening right in front of me, because of course I am. Because again, I'm a person in the real world, and there's a lot happening right in front of me. Just this morning, I left my house much later than I had intended to leave my house, which meant that I could not get exactly the coffee that I wanted from the coffee shop I wanted to go to, because it's out of my way. I had not been able to find anything to wear. I had had to straighten my hair, even though I blow dried it last night and thought it would be perfect. Things had not gone my way, in a lot of very silly ways, but I was very frustrated. I was not happy with myself, and I was thinking, this whole day is going to be a wash this sermon is going to be terrible. Everything is going to go wrong. Everything already has go wrong, has gone wrong. And things actually got even more complicated. It was not a smooth morning. And I was driving on my way here and I thought, okay, things are all going to be bad. Everything's going to be terrible. And I had that little thought in the back of my mind go, do you remember what your sermon is on today? Do you remember that The whole main idea that you're talking about is that when it seems like everything is going wrong and there's no way things will ever get better and things are only going to end in disaster. God has been there for you before and God will be there for you again. And I really was like, I don't want to hear it. I'm not interested. I know, I know, but it's really hard because it doesn't feel as real and as present. As the circumstances around us. So what I have to cling to in that moment against the little voice in my brain that says, I know, I know, stop talking. I don't want to hear it. Is that God has been present for me before and God will be present for me again. But when I'm sitting at the top of that metaphorical waterslide, when I feel three feet tall and the water slide feels 30 feet tall. When I'm overwhelmed and I can't see a way out, I'm so overtaken by fear or anger or hurt that I can hardly remember every other time I thought my world was ending and thought that God was absent and thought there was no way out. When all along, every time, God was right there with me making a way through the waters that no one least of all me knew was there. That's why I'm grateful for passages like these in Isaiah, where we can see that the Israelites grappled with the same feelings and the same experiences that we did that hundreds and hundreds of years ago, there were people just like us saying, God, I know that you've done this before, but I don't see it this time. And God says, you didn't see it that time either and yet you're here. And I'm grateful for passages like Psalm 138, where David writes, On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. On the day I called out in the past, you answered me. And today, as I call out yet again, you will answer me. It's the only thing we have to cling to sometimes. And it's the only thing we ever have to cling to that is strong enough to hold us. Because when we, once again, can't see a way forward or find a way through the waters yet, we can remember the faithfulness of God, not only in our own lives and our own stories and our own water slides, but throughout history, from Abraham and Sarah, to Moses and Egypt, to Isaiah and Babylon. And we can pray the same prayer that has been prayed so many times before us, and will be prayed after us. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands.
0: Hello, my name is Kevin Payne and I'm the senior pastor here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining with us in our podcast of our worship celebration, the sermon this past week. I pray that you found it a blessing and that it enriched your life. If you are ever in our area and would like to join with us in person, we are located at 733 Valley Street here in Hoover, Alabama. Our service time is 10 a.m. and we would love to meet you. I pray you have a blessed week and hope to see you soon. Bye now.